Well, what I've found over the years working with great companies, you know, like, like we talked about Google and Ford, what do they do? Well, they focus on what they need to accomplish. So most people go right to the how. They say, okay, how am I going to do SEO? How am I going to do podcasts? How am I going to do whatever? Without first looking at the what, which really comes down to your strategy and your plan. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with the talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hey, how you doing? Adam here, and I wanted to quickly let you know about a brand new 15-minute video training where I show you how to get 5, 10, 15, 25 or more predictable sales appointments every month in just 30 minutes a day. And how you can do all of that without cold calling, networking, relying on referrals or any of that kind of stuff. Now, I've added that to the podcast gift page, which you can find at thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. That's thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. And you'll also see all of the other resources and gifts that I've created on that page as well. So hope you go and check that out and, uh, and enjoy what you find. So until you do that, Let's get back to the show. Well, hello. Welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, have you ever wondered why some people thrive through adversity while many others struggle? Or maybe how the best companies continue to grow in any economic climate? Now, I obviously don't need to point out the bleeding obvious right now because we are in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic and depending on when you were when you're listening to this um hopefully we've come out the other side but uh, and and you know however that looks hopefully it's positive but what you can actually rest assured throughout this entire thing is that it won't be the last challenge that you face from a personal business or societal perspective and if this whole situation has taught us anything it's we need to be prepared to navigate our business through both disruption and uncertainty so that it is strong and secure enough to weather any storm and emerge stronger from it Now, I guess the question is, how do we do it? Well, the simple answer is by building resilience into your business. And the longer answer is what I'm going to be discussing with my guest today, who is here to share with you a brand new approach to growing your business by focusing on taking the small steps necessary to grow your profits in any economy and build a business that lasts. And this, by the way, you're going to hear that this guy has had to have resilience from being homeless twice, working with some of the greatest companies in the world like Google, Ford and ADP. He's literally lived through both the peaks and the valleys of life. And today, as the founder of Results Trained, he and his team of business growth strategies are on a mission to democratize marketing. And I'm really glad I said that uh, without screwing it up because I trip over my words a lot sometimes, as you probably know. But what he's here to is to is to literally share with you exactly what to do to grow a more profitable business, show you how to do it, and give you the resources to make it happen so you can have the full control over your growth. And as I'm sure you'll pick up along the way, we both share a bit of a strange obsession with fish. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today on the Client Catching Podcast, Tony Guanacha. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here. I just want to touch on the um, the fish thing 
because um, I, for people that are listening, we are kind of a um, a rare or, or strange breed, aren't we? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, for those that don't know, um, I run a company called Think Like a Fish, and Tony, you have a um, an agency, and your agency is called Big Fish Results. Hey, and I mean it's just serendipitous that uh, you know there's two there's two uh, um, what do they call it um, weirdos uh, standing on the shore yeah. looking like idiots, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what 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 was it about the analogy that you loved about the whole sort of fishing and uh, uh, marketing and business growth? What, what what sort? How do you talk about it, and what caused you to sort of go in that direction with your agency? Yeah, that's a great question. And one I never get, so I love this because it's a totally different direction. I usually, I do a lot of podcasts, so this is a pleasure. Uh, so um, when I started my agency, I wanted a good way to to use analogy for how people approach marketing or should be approaching marketing. And I love the idea of how catching people is like catching fish. And so I created a whole process for my agency uh, that's attract, lure, uh, catch, and it goes through the different process. So you throw out the lure, you're reeling the people in. Uh, it's very similar to to that process because, you know, to be, let me talk about a fisherman. What does it take to be a good fisherman? Well, you have to have skill. Well, guess what? To be a good marketer, you have to have skill. You have to have patience. You can't run an ad and expect it to work the next day. You ha- it's a process of iterating. So a good fisherman is patient. You don't see someone fishing in this side of the lake, then they go around on the other side and then the other side, Oh, you know, in two minutes, you know, they're going to give it time. You also have to have the right lure. So if I'm, if I'm trying to catch fish in the ocean, very different approach than if it's in some Creek or in a lake. So you have to match almost like your messaging, right? You have to match your message to the audience and, and your offer. And so there's so many things that tie fishing to people. It's ridiculous. And so I yeah. think that's kind of was my, my inspiration for that. Absolutely, and 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 you've given me a couple of uh, a new new ideas to explain it. I think yeah. um, moving through there, and uh, what I, I I got the image in my head there when you were talking about, um, you know, it's not like when you fish, you sort of stand on one side of the lake, and then when it, you know when you're not catching something, run over to the other. And and I kind of think it's a little bit like that with um, when it comes to marketing and marketing tactics specifically. It's kind of like mm-hmm. there's the shiny object tactic that everyone's saying is the thing that you need to go and do so you go and chase it whereas you know if you're if you're fishing it's like oh you see someone over there pulling out a fish and you run all the way over there and cast your line and think you're going to get the same result whereas they actually realize they're using a totally different bait uh, and they've been um they're an experienced fisherman that's been doing it for years and it's, it's a very similar sort of um idea so yeah i like that one i might i might steal it um uh, in the future so um <laughs> I don't think we're going to bore everyone with um, talk of fish. And uh, yeah, the other funny thing about the two of us is that we don't actually fish much ourselves, which is uh, yeah, kind of a weird thing and a question that I often get. So do you enjoy fishing? It's like, well, if I do it, I can't remember the last time I went, but um, <laughs> you're, you're the same, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I am. It's, I, I like a good story and yeah. that's why I like it, but I'm not a great fisherman. But that's, that's the whole thing about marketing, isn't it? And if you... Um, I don't know if you listen to other sort of podcasts and uh, there's one I love marketing and Joe Polish and he often says that marketing is storytelling and that's one mm-hmm. of the things that he often repeats and and I think that is key and, and being able to have a story where people can easily understand because this is a complex subject right marketing um, some people think it's very simple and very easy and it's something that everyone should be able to do whereas get behind the curtain and you actually see how complex a subject it can be so uh, yes 
there's a lesson there. It's like use storytelling in your marketing to bring to life complex ideas and help your potential clients really understand both their problem and how you actually help fix them. So, um, yeah, there's a, a slight side uh, side entry into uh, in today's uh, episode where really, apart from the fish, I want to really talk about um, because of the situation that um, we're in and uh, we're, as I uh, indicated in the introduction, it's not going to be the last about business resilience and the importance of it and what it looks like. So do you want to give us sort of your take on what you refer to as business resilience? Yeah, so business resilience is really being able to to get back on your feet, no matter how many, like, it's like that old saying, you haven't failed until you quit and you've given up. And so it's really not how many times you, you've gotten knocked down, it's how many times you get up. And if you look at anyone that's accomplished anything great, you know, it hasn't been a cakewalk. It's always been a process. And so I've applied that to my own life and my own story that's even being written now to this day. And uh, what I found just through my life is that resiliency is really the key ingredient to move forward, to keep pushing. Because if you don't have that, you're not really getting anywhere. So resilience is, I think, a critical part. That and grit and just all those, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. But more today now than ever, it's so, so important. And do you apply the idea of resilience to business from kind of the uh, the 35,000 foot that you've, you know, you've got to keep pushing through? Or do you take it right down to the to the specifics of, say, running a marketing campaign, hiring an employee, um, generating client, like those kind of things and, and look at it, you need to have resilience across everything or is it more, right, we're just going to keep pushing forward, learning, moving forward, learning, moving forward? Yeah, well, one of our core values in my, actually going back to my agency, because as we talked about, I have an agency, a training company, and I do consulting and, and uh, coaching. But one of the core values of my um, agency is basically uh, to take small steps. But the language I used back then was to think locally and act globally. So in other words, think big and think small at the same time, which is kind of an interesting duality. But the way I, I think is almost like the little Russian dolls. You, you know, the little Russian dolls where you put yep. one and there's a bigger one. So I, I like to think in terms of layers. So yes, you have to look at it at a macro level on, on you know, across the whole company, but then you have to actually take it and drill down into the specifics. So I, the, the answer I would have is both think big and think small, because that's really how you're going to get the progress. Hmm. So when it comes to, say, for example, could you give us a, a, an example of what you would look at, say, from a from a micro perspective around um, having resilience? Because we all experience failures on, on multiple different um, yeah. levels. But let's take an example of, say, a I don't know, somebody's just launched a, a new marketing campaign that they have the objective of generating um, leads for their business. And what would you, how would you apply the idea of business resilience to whatever happens after that launch? Yeah, that's a great question. I, actually, I love that question. So I think of marketing really simply. <clears throat> as much as complex, and we talked about simplifying through analogy, I think about um, your really results. Because all my customers, also have the term results in them big fish results results train etc but a result what does that mean well that's taking from someone from where they are to where they want to be so that could be applied to your growth in terms of running a campaign though it's really three things that are necessary you need an offer you need a message and you need an audience which sounds easy enough there's three things but the problem is that's three to the third power that's nine 
So that's, if you just have one offer, one message in the audience, that's to, to uh, that's nine possibilities. Now, if you tried two, the numbers get exponentially higher. If you try five offers, it gets exponentially higher. So how does that apply? Well, going back to the fishing, fishing analogy about patience, if you just did one offer across those three, that means you need to run nine different tests just to find the one that works. Unfortunately, most people run a campaign, they don't get immediate result. And A, they, they don't ask the question why, which again, it's probably your audience, your message, or your offer. But if you have the, just one of those off, you're not going to have results. They have to all be aligned, all work perfectly for you to get success. Once you have success, then you can grow it. But, but that's why you have to have resilience because if you don't stay in it long enough, you're not going to know. And unfortunately, worse than not getting results, you've wasted your time, effort, and money because you just put effort to do it once and you have nothing to show for it. And that's when you run to the other side of the lake and, uh, you know, trying to you know, chuck, your, chuck your line into uh, where you think the fish are biting and then you end up doing the same thing and repeating over and over again the same mistakes. And that is a definition of insanity. And I love the way that you sort of snuck it in there, but I want to highlight it, is that when you have a certain result from... It doesn't have to be a marketing campaign. You know, anything, you know, you can have a, a, a sales conversation with a client that doesn't go to your expectation, all that kind of thing. It's asking yourself the question, why? Why yeah. did that outcome happen? And why is it different from the expectation that I went in with? Because a lot of the time, you probably went in with an unrealistic expectation, yeah. which is, yeah. I find, one of the biggest reasons for people being really, really upset with their marketing and the performance of their marketing and all the rest of it because they are set up with the wrong expectations. Now, part of that is because of the industry. Let's be honest, there are sharks out there and they will make promises that are just wildly pie in the sky because it will grab a load of people's attention and right. you know push them through a funnel, right? And yeah. that's not necessarily reality, not for you know the kind of businesses that uh, you know are in it for the long term. So... Yeah. I mean, how, how do you sort of, um, what would you say to someone then if they, they hit a situation where they had been doing something and it didn't go to expectations and all the rest of it? What would you look at as the first thing to try and fix? Well, the first thing you want to look at, I mentioned the three, the audience, your offer and, and your message. I would start with your audience because if you have a good enough audience, you can sell anything. So as an example, I remember... I, for some reason, I remember this story forever, but it's a great story for, for illustrating this point. So when I was a kid, I went on a uh, bike ride on an island. It was called, it's called Block Island. It's off the coast of um, the United States in, in, uh, off of Rhode Island. It's a little, little, the smallest state in the uh, country and the, probably the smallest island. So it's a tiny little place. So my parents, me, so my two parents, my uh, mother, father, and myself, we want a bike ride. And it was a pretty hot day. And for some reason, we forgot to buy water. So we bike all the way to the beach and we would have paid anything to get water. You know, we would have paid $50. We would have paid $10. So what change? Well, the, it's really the, the audience because the offer has to match the audience. All of a sudden, the value. So what, what's value? Value is really the distance between, you know, your result, right? Where they are to where you want to take them. We were parched. So we would have paid virtually anything for water. That same water could have been in the grocery store for 10 cents at the time. 
So mm-hmm. what changed? It's the audience. So when you're doing marketing, always start with your audience that actually will have the need that you fulfill and will see the value when you provide. Because mm-hmm. you know people pay marketing agencies millions of dollars. Others will only spend pennies. So what's the difference? It's who you're working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like that whole... Um... Yeah, you know the number one thing that you need in uh, you know in business is a is a starving crowd or a hungry crowd yeah um, exactly or a, a thirsty crowd in 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 your example which is fantastic and I sort of think and um, obviously if you're listening to the audio you can't see the video but I think in this in this exact situation um, you know the people that could uh, you know cash in at the moment and really raise their prices and they'll still have lines out their door are barbers and hairdressers because. You know, you can see, uh, you know, the ridiculous um, lockdown lengthy hair that um, I am pleased to uh, to say that I have an appointment. So, uh, yeah, a few days I uh, I won't look so uh, ragged, but that's another example. You know, people are queuing out the doors of, of places like that because they have been starved of a need that people really like, you know, and, and it's for a number of reasons because it makes you feel good. Um, you know, you're presentable, all that kind of stuff, if it's work and all the rest of it. But yeah, another really good example, an audience. And, and I remember hearing something, um, uh, uh, an interview um, with a guy called Brian Kurtz. I don't know if you know Brian Kurtz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he uh, was it Entrepreneur Magazine or, or something he launched and very well-known direct response marketer. And uh, yeah, he, he, he was talking about like the importance of um, like a hierarchy of marketing and 80% of the success of a marketing campaign is getting the right list, i.e. getting the right audience. The next bit is the offer and only 5% is the actual, you know, the words you use, the channels you use, all that kind of stuff. It's that's how vital it is. And that's the foundational piece that a lot of people miss. And sometimes when people are struggling with some of their marketing and the performance of it, they look at the wrong things and they try and make, adjustments on various different things whereas actually the fundamentals going back to it well you're not in front of the right person and you don't know the problem well enough to explain it to them in a way that actually appeals to them so that they take notice of you and want to continue learning more and that is you know simplicity of marketing yes not easy though that's the challenge so um let's let's sort of zoom out a little bit further then and, and think about right if you're if you're someone that is um in a situation where things are not going to plan at the moment, you've been hit because your clients you serve are in industries that are being hit or you yourself are in industry you know, that's been hit, how would you advise someone to start looking at a, like making sure that they have that resilience in the business and then what they should do as a sort of you know, 30, 60, 90-day planning process to, to sort of take them out of it? Yeah. Well, in terms of growth, I look at three things. You have your time, your effort, and your money. And where you are in your business and where you're going to get to is a function of how well you manage those three areas, how how well you prioritize them, and really at the end of the day, the decisions you make. So like it or not, and a lot of us hate to hear this, I hate to think about it myself. I'm at today where I am because of the decisions I've made in the past. Uh, but the good news is no matter where you're at today, this goes back to resilience, you can change and go in a new trajectory. So what do you do though? So what if that sounds great, but what if the crap is at the fan? What do you do in this situation? Well, I think the key thing is to focus on your cash position. And there's really two critical areas that are relevant to that. Your profitability, so how much money you have. And secondly, when is that money coming in? Otherwise known as cash flow. So it's really how much and when. 
those are the two areas to focus on. And I always think about it, uh, those, the three things we talked about, your time, effort, and money. How do you allocate those for your new reality? And so if you're struggling and cash is tight, obviously money should be number one. So if you're in crisis mode, money is, is the top thing. And, and there's usually three kinds of conditions I think about for a business. One is you're stagnant and you're kind of not moving anywhere. How you allocate your time, effort, and money would be there, different there. If you're looking to scale, so say you want to grow from six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine figures, how you allocate your time and from money is going to be very different for that as well. Because if you want to scale, you want to put probably less emphasis on money because you want to grow more. So you're not worried about saving money. You're going to hire more people. You're going to, so money is, but that's not what we're talking about here. Mm. We're talking about crisis. Mm. And I, I, I think of a, a crisis as either a business that's in trouble or you're um, a startup because they're very similar. The problems you have for a startup and crisis are similar. So what do you do? So what did we talk about? We talked about kind of time after money, the different kinds of businesses and how you allocate those based on your new reality. So let's talk about crisis. What you want to do is first look at your profitability. Profitability is number one. So that means make as much as you can, expend as little as possible. So one of the things I did when COVID hit <clears throat> is I first called all my vendors and I said, hey, do you have any specials for the circumstance? So I called my web hosting company, which like you, we host clients, so we have a lot of clients on there. They ended up giving me a 50% discount for a couple months, which is pretty significant. You know, I called some other ones, got uh, reduced rates there. Also, I consolidated. So there was some recurring billing I had every month. You know, I assumed that this COVID would go on for a while. So I'll probably be paying monthly for a while. Why not just take those and make them annual and get the mm-hmm. 20% discount? So things like that are very powerful. Also, real, I took my credit card statement. I said, okay, what can I cut? What am I actually not using? You know, as an agency, you probably share this. You probably buy a ton of stuff and you're like, do I ever use that? So going through evaluating and say, can I cut this? So mm-hmm. that's kind of looking at what's going out. What's coming in is you want to kind of reevaluate how you're getting clients, which we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but also, um, when when are you getting paid? So for the cash flow perspective, calling vendors or calling your clients, making sure they're paying on time, you know, uh, getting in contact with people that work with you in the past, getting money from them. So there's a bunch of ways you want to look at it, but really, it's really simple. Hmm. Cash flow, when is it coming in and how much? How do you expand, expand as little as possible? How do you get as much coming in? Yeah, so it's it's... It's getting control of, yeah. yeah, what's coming in, what's going out. And it is knowing that down to a T. And that's when you can start to look at the things that need to improve. Right. And that's when you can then go, right, okay, what's next? Because when you're in crisis, like everything is flying at you a million miles an hour, right? So you mm-hmm. don't have necessarily the capacity to think clearly. So at least get everything on the table. Get everything in front of you and you know what you're dealing with. Because then you don't have all the what ifs, because then you're in a place where you can actually make proactive decisions about moving forward. Because until you are at that place where you have got everything to the point where right, this is the best position I can be in right now. Great. This is my reality. Now what? Yeah. What's next? Right. What is next? Let's let's talk about what would be next in that in that situation. So you got yourself to that point. And, you know, let's let's just say that somebody is. um. Yeah, they're, they're, 
they, they, they need uh, a, f- a few more clients or, or something like that. What, what are some of the steps that you would advise someone to take to start yeah. filling that pipeline? Well, what I found over the years working with great companies, you know, like, like we talked about Google and Ford, what do they do? Well, they focus on what they need to accomplish. So most people go right to the how. They say, okay, how am I going to do SEO? How am I going to do podcasts? How am I going to do whatever? Without first looking at the what, which really comes down to your strategy and your plan, which business owners hate the plan. Why do they hate that? Well, A, they don't know how to do it. You know, it's not necessarily fun. It's not sexy. Uh, it's it's time, It can be time because there's a lot of problems with it. So what I did was I focused on just six things. So I, I created a system called the results loop. And it takes just the six growth factors that work across any business. And what those are is number one, you have the market. So we already talked about this, your audience. Your audience is similar to your market. Then you want to look at your products and services. Then you want to look at your value proposition. So these are a lot of things we already talked about, but your value, why would someone buy a product or service, that market? So it's the bridge between the market and your products and services, otherwise known as your offerings. And then the three ways to grow, which is the number of buyers, the uh, size, the lifetime value of those buyers, and finally the loyalty of those buyers, them coming back again and again and giving referrals. So that's the theory. I'm more than happy to get into specifics if, if, you, if you like. Yeah, and and for for anyone that is uh, listening, um, and if you're not being able to see the, uh, the the video of this, there is an awesome example of this um, this loop that uh, Tony talks about um, in the background, and you can also take a look at that. Um, and it's in your manifesto, is that right? Correct. Yes. Right. It's, there, it's small steps manifesto, isn't it? So you can get that at small uh, smallsteps.com. Is that right? Uh, small steps manifesto.com. Small steps manifesto, and I, I highly highly recommend that you check that out because. Um, I downloaded it, I read it, and, and it just, Tony and I share some very similar views on the world, so that's why I really, really enjoyed it, right? But at the same time, it it is just common sense and practical steps that you can actually use and just go out. And there's some there's some cool stories in there as well. And, you know, some of those are around the fact that Tony's needed this resilience. And as he's mentioned, he's worked for these big companies. But Tony, you came from a... Um, a place which wasn't always unicorns and rainbows. So no. I haven't really given you the opportunity to sort of like dive quickly back into that. And uh, you know, why yeah. don't you just sort of give like, you are qualified to talk about the requirement of resilience. So why don't you give us a, yes. a, a quick sort of rundown of why that is? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in small business. My parents had a small Italian bakery. They were amazing bakers. Problem is they didn't know what they didn't know about growing a business. And I find this all the time working with companies, like the things that kills us, is we don't know certain things and that and those areas are, are really are 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 the chink in our, our armor uh in fact at least in the united states 70 percent of businesses close by the time they're 10 years old so it's very sad and it happens all over the time all over the place so here we are we lose everything essentially including our home and we had to move into my oldest sister's basement she's 18 years older than me so she was already, you know, established. So we moved into our basement for a period of time until we could recover and recuperate and show our own resilience. So that's great. We, we got out of that situation. I ended up going to college. I, I, and I said, wow, I got to, you know, I'm looking back, examining myself now, but essentially I wanted to redeem the past. So I went and got a business school degree, left there 
and then started another bakery with my parents. This time it was online though. We were able to take a cake, put a photo on it and mail it anywhere in the country. Uh, so we created our own proprietary system to ship, to put the photo on it, all, all this really cool stuff. We ended up winning best new product at the New York Incentive Show. So we'd be out companies like Sony and Timex, all these great brands. And we really got our name out there. So because of that, we ended up getting corporate clients because we can put a logo on cake, mail it across the world uh, or across the country, IBM, uh, Sun Microsystems, huge companies, and also celebrities. So we make cake for Jennifer Lopez, for Jay-Z, crazy stuff. And so I thought at the time, man, I've made it. You know, I got all these celebrities. I got great PR, SEL. I was on the top of the list for birthday cake and corporate gifts. And then I got caught with what I didn't know. So what I didn't know hurt me. And so we lost everything again. So I had to move into my other sister's basement. This time it was worse though, because I had, uh, I was newly married. I had a baby on the way. And I said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but who does? And so that's when I said, a light bulb went off in my head. I said, the best companies in the world probably know something about growing your business. So I went on a 10 year journey to work you know, proactively with the best companies in the world, like Ford, like Google, Chevrolet, a bunch of great names. And then after that period of time, I left there to teach others what I learned initially as an agency, big fish results. And now today I started a training and consulting company. Yeah. And, and there's, there's so much in there in terms of what I, what stood out for me was even in the crisis, in, even in that point, there was that almost sort of self-awareness to sort of step back and, and, and question yourself and also have the the ability and the, and the confidence to actually admit I got this wrong and I don't know what I'm doing or I do not know enough yet and it's actually yeah. then first of all that is a big thing to do because not everyone can do that I mean you know I'm a can be a stubborn get myself like my wife you know just ask my wife and you know you, you sort of dig your heels in and you say no i know what are the right way and blah 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 and this was and it was all everybody else's fault and all the rest of it but actually first to actually be able to say that to yourself massive like that that shows a lot about you know your your character really and and, and how how your ability to then bounce back is as a result of actually being brutally honest with yourself which most of us are not and the second one is that you then you know sort out the the help because I think so many of us, and I, I sort of think again back to my arrogance of youth and all the rest of it. I thought I knew it all, and you know, didn't need to help. But you went and sought out what other people were doing that were already successful, and you learned from them, and you studied them, and you helped them, and you got, you know, and, and you just started to actually apply it. Huge! It's like standing on the shoulder of giants, and that's what so many of us don't really do enough. We think we have to invent something new every time, and. Yep we don't there's no original ideas really um they are all an amalgamation of all sorts i mean the example of the two of us coming together here and talking on this podcast uh we've both totally separately come on this sort of analogy of fishing and we have an approach that is really quite sort of similar in their outlook the execution is different but the the actual similarity is 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 the same but that is because they've both come from a place of looking out and looking at what works and putting our own spin and our own way of executing onto proven concepts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think you could mention a couple of things, but I'm a big Tony Robbins fan as well. 
Uh, and he always talks about the importance of modeling. So you don't have to create from scratch. Like you said, you can look at other examples and model what they've done to have success. And a lot of times, I mean, you're right. Is it, is it because of arrogance or pride that we don't do that? But why not look at a competitor and see where they're having success? Or why not look at another industry and see yeah. what you can borrow from there? I mean, look at Uber or any of these companies that are coming up. They're looking at reinventing business models. But all they're doing is taking what's working in another industry and applying mm-hmm. it to themselves. You know, so I think it's very important to always look outside of your own industry because that's really where the innovation happens. Mm. And it's not completely new ideas. It's rejiggering what's already out there for your particular circumstance. So that's one thought. The Mm. second thought is you should always have a coach and model. Even where I'm at today, I still have probably, gosh, three coaches. And I mean like top line coaches because always work with people that want to be where you're at. So I'm getting consulted by probably the top, for my coaching business, I'm getting uh, consulted by the top coaching expert in the world. And why would I not do that? Because he's where I want to be. And so it's so smart to always be learning. Like, don't stop where you're at. Keep going. But always find the person that's ahead of you and emulate what they're doing. Yeah, because there is a, if there is one shortcut, to use a cliche, it is taking the learnings from others and, and applying what they're telling you. Not going, all oh, right, yes, I'm going to invest in this and I'm going to take all this coaching and then go and do something totally different. Yeah. That's that's one thing that often happens. And and it's kind of like it, it always boggles my mind when, when someone will, will, will invest in something and then go and go, all right, yeah, that sounds good up until that point and then I'm going to go in another direction. And it's like, well, why didn't it work? It's like, did you follow the process? Like Because, yes, you're going to iterate and put your own spin on it, but go through the process a few times as it is laid out because you don't then have that sort of experience of applying the real world to that actual process to be able to sort of put your own spin on it. So I think that's, um, yeah, that's, that's always something that sort of boggles me, but I love the fact that, yeah, so many people that, in fact, almost everyone that I've had on this show, whether it's been, you know, a discussion on the, on the show itself or afterwards, they've all mentioned the importance of getting help in one way or another, whether that is paid mentorship, coaching, having a mastermind group that they set up themselves, anything like that. It's, it's having that sort of collective brilliance of, of other people around you and your network and, and all that kind of thing. And, and yeah, I think it's, it's, it's such a, again, it's a fundamental. So many of us just ignore it. It's, it's crazy. Well, and I think that's one of the root causes of problems because we talked before about why businesses fail because they don't know what they don't know. When you have others around you, they can identify the blind spots because you'll never see it because it is a blind spot. That's why you need others around you to point yeah. those out. Yeah. I mean, you could be struggling with something for months and months and months and then just sort of blurt it out in front of someone and go, oh, well, all you need to do is this. And you're just like slapping your head and going, why didn't I think of that? It's so obvious right. now. Well, not when you're in it. Right. Because you often get far too close. So, um, yeah, there's 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 so much in that story as well. And and I'd be interested and curious to sort of know what, apart from what you've covered, what what lessons would you ta- can you take from some of those larger companies and apply down to say a smaller business that they don't know the other the bigger players know. If you could give your say well, like one or two top ones, well, the biggest one we talked about already is really. But I want to emphasize it again, just because it's not being done, the strategy and planning. So when I was working with these great companies, 
we would literally be in meetings for weeks on end with a you know 20 30 tab spreadsheet planning everything down to the penny and also contingencies so what happens if this doesn't work what do you do businesses you're lucky if you spend a half an hour or a half a day planning out what you're going to do so mm-hmm. they have to really take that seriously because if you don't have a plan for where you want to go how are you going to possibly get there you know mm-hmm. and so that i think is the biggest takeaway of what separates the best companies from a lot of the other also brands mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. i mean it's uh uh, funny enough, we got introduced by a, another previous guest on the show, Chris Bruno, and uh, I remember challenging him when he came on. It's like, because he was going to Bali and I was just jealous at the time, right? And um, I was like, right, if you're going somewhere, what are the three things that you need to know? Um, and one of the things is was a, or, 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 was a diver's watch or something because he was showing off anyway. And, um, it, you know, it's quite simple. It's you need to know where you are now, where you're going to, where you want to get to, and then figure mm-hmm. out how you want to get there. I mean, but that's the fundamental thing that so many of us forget. And it's like, all right, well, let, let me ask you the question. Do you want to do marketing or do you want to generate um, 25 clients over the next 12 months with a lifetime value of £30,000 at an acquired cost of 2000 per client? Like that is a much more specific plan than I better go and do some marketing or I need some clients. But that is unfortunately the reality of, of how we, uh, we approach things. And uh I just wish if there was one thing I could just bash into people, it's like, know those numbers. What needs to happen? You know, what kind of revenue do you need to generate to A, keep the lights on and B, so that you're happy with your progress in 12 months time? Like just simple questions. Yeah, and you said something interesting. You said specifics. Specifics is probably another great takeaway because the specifics goes across the board, across everything. So specifics of your goals and where you want to reach, but specifics in your markets. Who specifically do you want to target? Specifics in your products and services. I've worked with companies that haven't even defined what they're going to provide because they want to provide anything to anybody because they're desperate. But specifics in what you're, you're going to provide. Specifics in the value you're going to provide. What's the value of buying your product? Like specifically, because mm-hmm. that needs to be in your ad copy because people want to know specifically what they're going to get, you know? How you grow your markets? What's your offer? You know, everything specifics mm. goes across the whole spectrum. Very, because very unless important. you know, yeah, unless you know the specifics, you can't apply your, you know, certainly from from the point of view you look at it, you can't apply the small steps, or you can't look at where the um, the leverage points are and make those small incremental improvements unless you can literally explain how your business works from a process point of view, and that process point of view. If if you've got a bit of time right now or whenever you're listening to this and you know everyone says, oh, well, it's all about uh, I, I spend too much time working in my business and on my business. But then when it, they've given the opportunity to work on their business, they haven't got bloom and clue what to do, right? Mm-hmm. The thing you need to be able to do is explain in a process how your business runs, right? Mm-hmm. This is my target market, my single target market. This is the piece of information or something that i am going to put out there to lure in and we're going to get some fishing examples in here to lure in some of those ideal clients this is the compelling copy this is the messaging this is where the ads are going to run and all the rest of it this is how when they come into my ecosystem and i've got them on and i'm reeling them in how i educate and motivate those people to take action to want to get on a conversation with me this is how i run those conversations so that i can make the offers these are the compelling offers. 
when someone says yes this is how somebody comes on this is how i deliver this is how i have a raving fan of a customer in order to, to then orchestrate and generate referrals and increase the lifetime value on the on sale and blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah. if you can't do that you're not going to grow your business because you don't know what points and then you don't know which channels are working best you don't know which part of the spend is working best or anything like that so if there's one thing and i I've sort of, I don't like hijacking the interview because I, uh, yeah, this is a, this is more about you. But this I think is just feeding off of what you've created because it's fundamental, and I wish more people could just be able to do this. And if I could just sit down with businesses and go, let's do this, work out, and just start with one thing before you then, you know, go off into multiple things. You need to be able to articulate that journey yeah. with one channel one product one offer blah, blah 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 correct correct yeah and that's a huge difference like to to play off of what you were saying uh the difference with because i've been blessed to work at all different size companies the companies that are six figures really don't know what's going on they're all in limbo kind of like what you're describing here as they get to seven figures they start to have some documentations and processes as they get to eight figures they really have it figured out and they can scale out their processes. Once you get to nine and you know, eight to nine, they're getting a lot more automation, which the automation won't work without having the systems and process defined in the first place. And then after that, the larger companies tend to be software companies. Mm-hmm. They can automate all this. And you can really see this even in well, in any industry. Why is Tesla works worth so much? Because they're more of a software company as mm-hmm. opposed to a manufacturer. You know, manufacturers are huge companies, you know, Ford and all those. Uh, manufacturers of great size, but they're, now their size is kind of slowing them down because Tesla's innovated to be a software company. Mm-hmm. Apple, right? What's the, why is Apple or something? Well, they have integrated systems with software, you know, their service base, you know, you have the, the, the uh, iTunes store, you have, you can buy software, you can buy um, podcast, and I'm sorry, I'm losing my transfer. You can buy uh, apps, mm-hmm. you can buy all sorts of stuff through Apple. So they're not just a device, they're not a manufacturer. And they've been, they're able to iterate better. So that's what you're finding the best companies are doing. They're really moving towards mm. more and more automation. Amazon used to think of a book as being a product. Mm. Now it's a service. You get it delivered via Kindle. So, you know, it's... And it's, 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 it's along that, that's, that chain, that process, yeah. whatever it is. That ecosystem, as I call it. Like Correct. They have an ecosystem. And within right. each of those processes, that's where you can start making massive gains from small steps. And I know you've got um you've you've got an analogy that you use to describe the the value of the small steps using a kind of one percent rule, and I, I've kind of already hijacked it. And I know your story, but I'd love you to share that. Yeah, so I mean, small steps are are important because you avoid overwhelm. And so the one thing I, I didn't tell this story, but my mother, she survived the pandemic. She contracted polio in the late nineteen thirties when she was only nine months old, wasn't able to walk until she was 14 years old. And I, I remember asking her years ago, not even now, but I ask her now too, but even back then I was like, how in the world did you survive this? You know, how are you able to walk and eventually wear high heels? Well, what happened was the, the, the hospital would have her working on, you know, her um, nerve system and building strength through pottery, through swimming. Eventually she would take steps each day to get to where she wanted to go. And so the secret to that is to take small steps. That's how you avoid overwhelm because doing a little bit each and every day is what 
get you where you want to be. And it's the process of incremental improvements. Mm. So if you look at, we talked about this earlier. If you look at the great cycling teams, what do they do? They shave a little bit off of the weight on the bike here and there. You know, they, they get a little bit better with their diet, a little bit with their, it's all incremental improvements. When you do those in tandem, you get exponential growth uh, and results. How does that apply to a business? Well, what I like is the concept of growth compounding. So growth compounding is where you just make incremental improvements, say 10% across your markets, across your, your um, offerings, across your um, you know, products and services and your value proposition for those. You're, you know, the whole way around the loop. When you do uh, five, in, five improvements at 10%, it's not a, a 10% growth. It's 61% growth. So the growth gets exponential. So that's the power of small steps. You don't get overwhelmed, but mm -hmm. when you do them in tandem, you get exponential growth. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's not as sexy as blow your business up in a day, is it? Yeah. But that's yeah. the reality. And that is why, sadly, I think that 70% of businesses fail because they go in with an expectation that it's not as it's easy or it's easier than it actually is because we are sort of fed some of these, you know, stories and, and ideas and all the rest of it. But the reality is there is no secret to growing a business. It is being consistent and making incremental improvements on everything you're doing along the way and having enough cash in the bank to be able to weather that process. Like that is it. Like yeah. it's not overly yeah. complicated. And I think that the thing that I get from what you cover there and it's kind of like, what is the thing, especially now, like what, what is, what, what are people struggling with? What are people talk about things like, well, I don't know what to do or, you know, I don't, I'm not motivated at the moment or anything like that. Well, what causes motivation? Clarity. Yeah. Like knowing what to do next and having this sort of framework that you talk about, about having small steps. That's what I really liked about it. It yeah. gives people the clarity on, right. I'm not going to ask you to go and do something huge here. I'm going to ask you to take the next small step. And right now I have um, Frozen 2 soundtrack in my head about, you know, the next right thing. And my daughters absolutely love it at the moment. And uh, any parents out there, they'll probably know it. But to me, then that's another way of looking at it. It's like, yeah. what's the next right thing to do? As yeah. I can see it now, it might not yeah. be the right thing. But to you right now, what's the next right thing to do that's going to move your business towards the goal that you've set, which is what you've sort of covered there. So that's why I really liked your framework. And that's why I encourage anyone that is listening to go and get the small steps manifesto and devour it. And that is at smallstepsmanifesto.com. And um, you can get your copy there. And Tony, I just want to say thank you for sharing so much. And we could honestly, I could go on for another day, but um, I want to, uh, yeah, just, just say thank you for sharing. Um, is there anywhere else that people can go apart from the small steps? Um, where do you like to connect with people? Yeah. So uh, you can go to my website, meet Tony G. If anyone has a question I hit on here, you're more than welcome to email me. Um, it's Tony at meettonyg.com. I'll answer any questions that we weren't able to hit today. Awesome. Yeah, so check that out. I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well. And um, thank you ever so much. Um, I'm so glad that we managed to get uh, probably a record number of fishing references into this, into this episode. Um, yeah, um, I love it when people um, embrace it. So um, couldn't not. For, uh, you know, for this episode. So uh, it's, a, it, it's great to connect and, and, and yes. find a fellow weirdo, um, as I say. Yeah. But <laughs> um, 
yeah, I'm sure everyone listening has, has got an awful lot out of this and it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. So, Tony, thanks very much and happy fishing. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know there are a lot of podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen this one and I'm truly grateful for that. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love if you could just take a few quick minutes to share your thoughts and leave an honest rating review for the show over on iTunes. It's not only important for helping others discover the show, but I also read each and every submission personally, and they really do mean the world to me. So thanks very much in advance and happy fishing.